This is Starting Somewhere, a 10-episode podcast from the University of Melbourne, all about internships, finding one, landing it, and making the most of the experience. I'm Buffy Gorilla. One of my first jobs was at an Italian deli, and now I'm host of this podcast. And I'm Ben Pawson. I was fired from a hairdresser's as one of my first jobs, and now I'm co-host of this podcast. So we're clearly the best people to help you start somewhere. My internship involves going out every day and interviewing a range of different people about a daily issue. So an example of that is I started on New Year's Day, so I was very tired after New Year's Day, and I had to go out and ask people whether they had already broken their New Year's resolution. And it was a really, really fun experience. I met Hamish in the bustling lobby of the HWT building. It's a rust-colored office tower on Melbourne's South Bank. It was modern once. It was a humid day, and he was dressed in shorts and sunglasses. It was his day off. And where are you doing your internship? Oh, right. Sorry. (laughs) So I was the editorial intern at the Herald Sun. I sit at a desk on level 12, smack bang in the middle of the newsroom, which was a really incredible environment to work in. Even in the sort of early hours of the morning, it was just constantly bustling and full of people who were curious and inquisitive and quite like-minded to me. So it was a great experience. Hamish is one of the many people we spoke to who are doing an internship. But how did he get the internship? What did he do while he was there? Did it help him find a job? Spoiler alert! Yes. And who couldn't apply for it because it was unpaid and they couldn't afford to work for free? That's what this podcast is for. And we'll explore all of those questions and more through stories from Hamish and others like him. So the chances are, if you are starting out and you live in this world, you will have noticed that internships are having a moment. In 2016, over half of people under 30 had done at least one internship, and only half of all internships are connected with study. And over 80% of internships were unpaid in 2015. Sounds like internships are a thing, and we'd better understand them. In this episode, we look at the landscape. What actually qualifies as an internship? We answer the questions, where did they come from and why is it a good idea to do one? What can an internship do for you? And how do companies perceive interns? And what do they want from you? If you know nothing about internships, this is where you start. But if you do know some things, you may want to stay tuned because over the next nine episodes, we will dive into the nitty-gritty of getting an internship, navigating office politics, doing video interviews, and getting rid of your digital dirt. For starters, this term, intern, can seem a bit woolly. For some organizations, the intern is the person who gets coffee or the underling who answers the phone. For some people, the intern is just cheap and enthusiastic. But for other companies, the intern is an actual team member who gets to dig into a real-life project and gain valuable professional experience. 
So how do you actually define intern? A human resource professional should know, and an HR professional who has done an internship, even better. We found one. Haley Smetting from Tandem Partners, an HR firm, describes it. In my opinion, an internship is somebody with less experience who is looking to gain further experience within a particular area, and then is being given the opportunity by an organisation to come into the environment to gain that experience. And so, for me, the way that I view it is that experience must be work relevant and link back to previous studies. So, for example. Getting coffee isn't actually growing them any valuable experience. Therefore, shouldn't be included or counted as an internship. Michelle Lau cops to having to break out Google to define an internship. Living in New Zealand, I was kind of in a very small little bubble. Never really heard of internships before. Like I saw it in movies and stuff, obviously. But when I came here, I actually googled it and I found it was a pathway to a great career. And I was like, gotta get into those. Michelle recorded an intern diary that you'll hear in episode four, day one, when she tells us how her first day went. And here's what Google says they are, just to round out our definition: intern, a student or trainee who works sometimes without pay in order to gain work experience or satisfy requirements for a qualification. So now that we know what an internship is, how did we get here? The point where it's on your course curriculum. And you seem to be stressing about it. A bit later, we'll look at why internships. What do they do for companies, and what do they do for you? But first, let's back it right up. While it might not help you land that dream internship, knowing how we got to this point is quite interesting, and will make you seem smart and give you an edge up on trivia night. And I love a competitive edge. So to help us, we tracked down Dr. Robert Shindell from InternBridge. Hey, Dr. Shindell, what is InternBridge? Can you please explain? InternBridge is a research and consulting firm. We survey students all over the United States every year about their internship experiences. We gather that data, we analyze that data, and then share it back with both higher education and. Employers to help employers build better internship programs, but also with higher ed to help them prepare their students better for the experience. Thanks, Dr. Shindell. So, what about internship history? And the concept of an internship or work integrated learning, whatever terminology you want to use, experiential learning dates back to Mesopotamia and the dawn of man. And that is, I know something. And I'm going to teach it to you. That could have been, you know, the best way to carve a spear or an arrowhead. How to make great cave drawings. You don't just tell somebody how to do that. You show them. They practice. You critique. Then they get better at it. And that's the concept behind experiential learning. That kind of progressed into the more contemporary internship in the. Let's say 70s and 80s, especially in the states, firms started to say, "Hey, you know, you know, the students have the summer off from school. We have some extra work to be done. Well, why don't we just hire this college student?" And it kind of evolved like that. So learning was always at the heart of an internship. Now it's like a compressed apprenticeship, or even worse, cheap labor, or anywhere in between. I feel it's a spectrum now. 
we're at a place where employers are saying, this is where we're going to get the next generation of leadership for our organization. How do we connect with them as early as possible so that we can keep them longer than we would, let's say, a new hire? And our studies show that students who do an internship with a company that are then hired are likely to stay with that company for about 20% longer, sometimes up to 50% longer than a student that graduates and just goes to work there as a full-timer on their first day. So learning while doing has history. And it started in Mesopotamia. Who knew? And now smart companies want them. Okay, are we good? Sure. Maybe an internship is just a gussied-up apprenticeship, which I cannot help but associate with being a blacksmith for some reason. I think that'll do for our definition of what an internship is. Next, in our survey of the landscape, we look at some of the things internships can do for you, from getting you out of the classroom and into a job, to helping you figure out which job you want to get into. So if you are lucky enough to know what you want to do when you grow up, great for you. Or as Ron Swanson might say, bully for you. Most people don't, which is why internships can really help. And how can they do that? Ben, I'm glad you asked. What we learned was is that they can help you rule something out or give you a window into a new profession, or they could even be a stepping stone into that profession, all in a super low-risk environment. It's just an internship. It's not a job. It's four weeks, three months, part-time, full-time, whatever, which is great. Here's Dr. Robert Schindel again. Have you ever done an internship? Have I ever done one? Yeah. When I was back in college, I did a couple of them, including student teaching. Right. And how was your experience then? It was interesting. You know, student teaching as a form of experiential education was incredibly meaningful because the main takeaway was that I knew that I did not want to be a high school teacher. So it, it kind of had a, a positive negative effect. So that's another benefit of an internship. It's as good at showing you you don't want to do something as much as you do want to do something. Well said, Ben. Why, thank you. But it doesn't end there. Getting out of the classroom and into the workplace is something that everyone has to do, no matter what your career path. And internships can help. Alex Alvaro, a graduate student, agrees with us. I think there are things that you pick up that you just cannot get anywhere else. Being able to observe just how things operate on a day-to-day -day is priceless and you really can't get that anywhere else. You can't get that from a lecture or from doing uni work. So what Alex just described is work-integrated learning. Work-integrated what now? Work-integrated learning is something we'll be hearing about a lot in Starting Somewhere. Professor Alan Blackman from Griffith University has been practicing and preaching work-integrated learning for a long time. Here's what he has to say about how it relates to internships. I think an internship is just one element of work-integrated learning. It covers a spectrum of things. And the internship is at one end, and things like case studies perhaps are at the other. It's a process that provides a bridge for students from their academic life to the workplace, ideally, and helps them to develop employability skills that they might not have developed to that point. 
And an internship can really help you get a head start and build a great network. Here is Matthew Blundell, a graduate of the Master of International Relations. I think developing a skill set is one of the real assets of undertaking an internship. However, if you're in the right place, you usually get invited along to meetings, to events, to dinners, things like that, where you have the opportunity to network with an enormous amount of people from different walks of life, and they really help you sort of explore your passions. Matthew knows a lot about using his network to find opportunities. We'll hear more about that in episode two. Now we know what you can get out of an internship. Where can you find them? Under rocks? Or in trees? Some undergrad and master courses have them as an elective. So that sounds pretty easy. And anyone can do one off their own back, if you've got the time. But juggling it all can be hard. And that's something we'll try to help you with in episode six. But some of you listening might have to do an internship as a requirement of your course, like doctors, dentists, healthcare students, or lawyers. So those are the ones where you really can't just walk into the job with no experience. That would be dangerous, like the surgeons of the tree or humankind, which makes sense. And we'll talk to some of those people too, like Dr. Laura Reiti. Internship in medicine is the first 12 months post-graduation from your medical degree. It is a provisional registration. So from a medical legal point of view, you essentially work at your accredited hospital health service for internship and you have supervised medical practice and you have to complete certain rotations to make that your accredited internship. You must do medicine, surgery and emergency 10 weeks of medicine and surgery, 8 weeks of emergency medicine as a minimum, and then there's two more rotations throughout the year, which can be repeats of those or other things. Thanks, Laura. We'll hear more about the super formal internship that medical students go through later. That's one way of getting into an internship. Become a doctor. Others of you might have the option to do an internship, like Michelle. I actually didn't know there was an arts internship subject available at Melbourne Uni until Georgia and Brooke were talking about it. So Georgia and Brooke work for Keep Left, a PR company in Melbourne, where Michelle is doing her internship. I was like, okay, well, I'll have a little Google. And then I found this arts internship subject. I don't know why, I just never heard about it. I think, because I lived at college, and I think a few people did it, but it just never occurred to me that it was such a cool subject that I could do. For some students, it's a subject, but it's not a requirement. So that's one more piece of the internship puzzle falling into place. So if it's optional, it's course credit, it's real-world experience, and the uni helps you find opportunities sometimes, it sounds like a no-brainer way to make the leap from classroom to workplace. And the data backs it up. We said at the beginning, nearly half of all internships are done as part of some kind of study. If your degree offers an internship, I'd highly recommend it. It's a great way to get experience, but also knock off some course credit and also fit it in with your studies so you have a lighter course load during the semester. That's Tess, a law graduate who makes a case. If it's part of your studies, why wouldn't you do an internship? That's what I did, and it worked out really well for me. But more about that in a future episode. Or you could choose to do one at any time. What else are you going to do in the summer? Uh, work. Uh, work in hospo, swim, sunbathe, read, drink, travel, anything really. I guess whether you want to do an internship depends on how much you want to kickstart your career. And this experience can definitely help. Internships give you real-world experience, a network of people who know you and your work, 
and they can help you narrow down exactly what you want to do. We had a conversation with Karis Palmer from The Conversation, which describes itself as a guide to the latest developments and discoveries from the university and research sector. And how many of your interns go on to have full-time jobs with The Conversation? It's a good question. Um, I would say at the moment we've got six full-time editors who were former interns. We have a team of 20 editors, so it's a pretty high percentage. We have former interns working in newsrooms all around the country. Um, We follow their careers pretty closely. We just did a report and it was amazing to see, you know, where some of them have ended up all over the place. Producers on some of the most well-known TV and radio shows in the country, people working in the Australian Age, newspapers. The outcomes to me seem great. And the first place we look when we're recruiting is former interns. So some internships definitely do lead to jobs. We spoke to ANZ Bank, and they have a pretty formal internship program where a number of the interns go on to the graduate recruitment program. My name is Shalina Orr, and my title is Graduate Program Manager. Within ANZ, we make early offers to graduates uh, who have done internships. So we will assess them over the eight weeks, and at the end of the eight weeks, we'll go through a calibration session and make decisions around who we make offers to. So I'd say it's critical. So that sounds great. Skills, a network, experience, everything you need to blast off a great career. What do companies get out of it? Why are they offering these opportunities continuously? Remember we heard from Dr. Shindell of InternBridge about the history of interns, how in the 70s and 80s, interns were just cheap labor, to now where they're realizing that really good people are doing internships. And if they get them young, they get them for longer. And they might find the next generation of leaders among their interns. Which is certainly what A and Z are looking for, and others we spoke to, but maybe in a more informal way. But once again, it's that spectrum. Some internships are for no pay, long hours, menial tasks for little reward, except maybe some of that course credit we've been talking about. Some of the people we talk to, however, who run companies and hire interns appreciate what they bring to the team, as long as everyone is on the same page. I found it really rewarding just working with these people, understanding their mindset and what was important to them, also seeing them grow and improve. What I learned is there was a big gap between what the business thought they'd get out of an internship and what we could actually get out of them. And also with these individuals, what do they want? And I think that was one of the biggest questions. They didn't necessarily go in there knowing what to expect. That's David Bacon, a user experience designer at Telstra Health. He's working to bring health products and services into the 21st century. It's interesting to see this mismatch, and we'll be diving more into this in Episode 3 when we look at how you can stand out when you apply for an internship of your own, and how you can make your expectations clear. But interns can be valued as well. The Conversation has a pretty good intern program that will feature in Episode 8 in our review of places that are doing it right. There's a broad range of age groups of our editors, but interns are largely younger, so often they're plugged into a different zeitgeist. Some of the editors, that's something they can bring just being who they are, not having had many years in the workforce, which are skills that, you know, we don't necessarily expect because we do spend a bit of time training people. We've heard that companies and interns sometimes want different things out of an internship. It sounds more like dating than recruitment to me. 
I guess it does. And in the absence of an internship Tinder, I want 20% of that idea if any app developers are listening. You'll have to settle for us, your hosts, over the next nine episodes, walking you through the details of finding and getting your ideal internship. Hey, Ben, pop quiz. What have we learned so far? Internships get you out of the classroom and into the workplace. They're either compulsory or optional, or as an experiment, or as a first step. We easily found both government reports and a really handy annual survey from Interns Australia that build the case that more and more industries prefer or expect people to have some internship experience before they get a job. For those of you, like me, with an interest in the arts, media and comms, or not-for-profits, these are the sectors where you'll find mostly unpaid internships. Check the links to those surveys in the show notes so you can plan accordingly. If you want it, there are opportunities out there. But you have to want it. Because there's a ton of people who also want it, which can lead to competition and pressure. It can be highly competitive, And I think in any situation in which you're up against friends or people you know, at least my approach, the best way to deal with that is to do your own thing. I think it's easy to fall into a trap of comparison and a competitive bubble. That was graduate law student Tess again, telling us how she deals with the pressure. I never really felt pressure to do an internship when I was an undergraduate student, but I did start to feel pressure when I was working through my master's. Did you, Ben? Same. All the savvy kids were being accepted onto placements before I'd even thought about it. But that was in France where I did my MBA, and it was international students that felt the most self-imposed pressure. I think they were the ones who wanted to stay in Europe and get that really valuable international experience. I wanted to know if there was pressure to get out there and get interning and try to learn who or what was at the root of that stress. Is it our parents? I'm a father of three beautiful children. Um, the oldest, Gigi, she's doing year 12 this year. And then I've got the others sort of in uh, year 10 and year 8. So my thinking has changed from looking after them in the moment in school towards thinking about their futures and leaving home and what are they going to do when they leave school. That's David Bacon again. He works in the city in an office his daughters, Gigi and Coco, say is less fun than his last office. As parents, we all want our kids to go and get a university course. So there is, you know, did you get what you wanted to get get your first choice? So even though we don't actually put pressure in children, that expectation that we've created as parents, as educators, it's unusual because I don't know if that, that level of expectation, that level of pressure, it certainly doesn't appear in the workforce. So while not conclusive, parental pressure seems minimal, at least in the bacon household. But in the burger household... My mom found out about internships, and so she would certainly call and pester me about them frequently. That's Lauren Berger, a.k.a. the Intern Queen. We'll be hearing a lot more from her in future episodes. Anders Furs is a journalist, writer, and cultural commentator, and felt the pressure came from the most obvious and recurring place. The pressure came really from me, I'd say, because I knew that particularly as a journalist, studying journalism is not going to get you a journalism job. It's just not. You've got to combine that with practical application and 
training, you know, you learn through doing. And the Master of Journalism was incredible for me because it opened up all of these wonderful doors, but the doors were in and out of the classroom, I guess. So I knew very early on that that's what I wanted to do. It's the pressure that comes from the industry too, because there's far fewer jobs and the competition is a lot more fierce. So the days of where you would go, you know, out of school and do one year cadetship and off you go, you're a journalist, long gone. It's not to say it's impossible, but you do need to be looking for any chance you can, I think, to develop those skills alongside your studying. The desire to get the benefits of an internship is starting earlier and earlier. We spoke to 17-year-old Aisha Ahmed, a public high school student in Chicago, Illinois, who had just been accepted onto an internship at the University of Chicago's Cancer Research Center. At first, I was never pressured. I was always nervous and I always had anxiety of not being accepted or not being the perfect student. It was always had been an option for me to do an internship. So this pressure seems to be coming from us. Is there any way to use this pressure for good? Lauren Berger gives us her positive take on the benefits of an internship. None of my friends were interning, and I went to a really large school, and to be honest, didn't feel like my teachers cared what I was doing. Internships were an opportunity for me to sort of do me and for me to learn and be challenged in a unique environment that I wasn't used to. If you are feeling this pressure and you think an internship is for you, Ben and I are here to be your intern guides and help you along your journey, for lack of a less cheesy word. In this series, we talk to everyone you need to, so you can relax and focus on starting somewhere. In the next episode of Starting Somewhere, we'll guide you through the process of finding your ideal internship one step closer to getting you started somewhere. Starting Somewhere is brought to you by the University of Melbourne External Relations Team. The producers and editors are Buffy Gorilla and Ben Pawson. Our supervising producer and original concept is from Dr. Andy Horvath. Thanks to everyone who has made Starting Somewhere a reality. Stay tuned for future episodes.